911 emergency, what are you reporting? I worry about nothing. I am wearing a nada. I'm sitting pretty impatient, but I know you gotta put in them hours. I'ma make it harder. I know you're great episode of we speak dispatch everybody is here talking about dispatch stuff and we are so happy that you are here as well we've got our usual cast of suspects and i will throw it over to joe and take it away joe hey i'm joe everybody i'm from iowa and it's been a great day of recording podcasts and doug's got his hand raised so i'm just gonna kick <laughs> it back over to doug and see how doug's doing I, I just did it because it's like you guys keep doing it so i'm just gonna do it myself now so but it's it's uh Hey, I'm Doug, and I'm, I live in Tennessee now, but I did work for a large state agency called the California Highway Patrol for 30 years, and now I'm here enjoying Tennessee, as beautiful as it is right there. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. And today we have Daniel on board. He is here from, well, let's just let him tell you. <laughs> so Daniel, tell us about you. What's going on? Hey, everybody. My name is uh, Daniel Gatormson. I'm an operations manager in the uh, D.C. area. At a 911 center, I've been in public safety for um, just about eight years now. Nice. And you're already nice. manager? Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Awesome. <laughs> Working hard. That is fantastic. So word on the street is, and one of the things that brought Daniel to this lovely podcast today is something that I think a lot of agencies across the country um, want to learn more about, especially post-pandemic. Yeah. And maybe as a recruiting tool, but Daniel, we heard that you established or created an opportunity where you were able to dispatch remotely. Can you tell us a little bit about how that worked and how that came about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, of course, when COVID hit early March 2020, um, we sort of formed this initiative out of necessity. Uh, we were trying to separate our staff and get them out. Um, we run two um, geographically separated hot centers. So we were able to split our team in half. And then, you know, our management thought maybe that's not enough. Maybe we can um, split our team a little bit more. And we had some of the equipment to start taking calls remotely. Um, so we quick got into testing, building, um, and then deployed them out into the field and then continued testing. And once we got it successful, we are running a full program now and we have people um, fielding 911 calls from home and dispatching fire now. Wow. So you're mm -hmm. you're still doing it. What was it when you talk about the testing and, and making sure that it worked? How challenging was that? Well, so there was no guidebook, of course. There's mm -hmm. no like there was no one at the time who had done it. So there was no one really to reach out to and ask for um, advice. We really had to rely on our vendors. Um, our partners. And um, so it was it was pretty crazy testing it. Um, we started inside the communication center and did it sort of remotely in another room and then sort of started to move stuff home to people's houses. Um, and we started with non-emergency calls and then graduated into um, emergency calls. And assuming those calls, even no matter where they're taking them from, are still being recorded. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, and are do you worry about um, any sort of confidentiality issues or 
uh, they're using the network just the same as if they are at work, correct? Yeah, so they are actually remoting into an existing workstation inside of our center right now. So they have the full capability. Um, there is there was some concern about security at the beginning. So a manager was typically going out and doing what we would call a site visit mm. and looking at people's houses and figuring out, okay, in this office, you know, are there family members or roommates walking in? What about, uh, have you thought about, and this is what I always, when I think of these kind of calls, I think of this thing. What about if someone takes a really difficult call? I mean, a suicide or something. And now they're sitting at their house, like nobody's there. They're now by themselves. I mean, how does that work like that? How do you like, can tell somebody like, here's what happened or whatever. I mean, how do you work with that? Mm. So that's been one of the, I would say probably top three things that we noticed was a major communications breakdown. Um, so it was it was built again out of necessity. It worked, it kept our, our staff safe for, um, we to this day have had no um, infections from staff member to staff member. Wow. So we've been really proud of that. Um, but that type of thing has come across. So, you know, in, a, in the dispatch center, you can stand up and say, yeah. hey, I've got an update on this call, or you can mute yourself and say, hey, I'm having a really difficult time with this call. Can somebody um, barge in or listen? Um, luckily with our phone system, uh, we use Motorola's Vesta phone mm -hmm. system, um, and the technology to the supervisors are able to listen to callers at home or, or listen to call takers at home. Um, we use CAD messaging a lot. We use teams. Um, and then we're big on the, um, we send out our staff with Sonom phones and they have the EPTT Motorola, um, uh, cloud-based radio system. Mm -hmm. We're actually able to speak on a, a network, um, on our own radio network to each other. And when you said you're dispatching, you mentioned just fire. Is it because it's phased in or are you, are you not going to do law enforcement? So we want to go fully virtual at some time. There, we would love to do that. Um, so we pushed out fire um, because there's no sieges concern, right? So law has been all criminal justice concern. So we've been having a lot of communication with Virginia State Police about what are we allowed to do? What are we not allowed to do? Um, basically what we've come back with is people in our center who live in the state of Virginia can query, you know, driver's license and uh, vehicle registrations. But um, being that we live right on the border um, mm -hmm. in Alexandria, a lot of our staff is coming in from DC or Maryland. So um, once you cross that border, you can't run anything outside of state lines. So. Um, that's why we're able to push our fire dispatchers out and they're able to take our um, MC 7500E series radio and dispatch from anywhere. But we're hoping to start on the law stuff here shortly. So how, since you're still doing this, what's the percentage of your staff that has the potential to work remotely? That's my first question. And then the second question, <laughs> just so you can start to think about it, is what criteria do you have in place that allows me maybe to be eligible to work remotely and maybe Joe or Doug, they're not quite eligible yet. What do you have some criteria in place? Yeah. So we started with, um, we started with, they're called, called command posts. So we started with two command posts um, and we quickly started ordering stuff. We built it up to about 10. Um, and so during COVID we were utilizing it. Um, if you had like an exposure and you couldn't come to work, Mm -hmm. uh, but you didn't want to use your leave, we could send you out with a command post and you could still work and not use your own leave and still quarantine. 
Um, same goes for if you went on vacation and you had that 14 day quarantine period when you came back, you came back, you picked up your command post equipment and you went home and you did your quarantine from home and still worked and didn't utilize any more of your leave. So we've That's built our good. program back up now um, mm -hmm. because our director is 100%. This is the new norm. This is the route we're going. I don't care if COVID goes away. We're still going to do remote call taking and dispatching. So um, we're up to about 25 command posts now. So we could send 25 people out um, if we wanted to. Um, current criteria is every one of our supervisors has one. Um, I'm sending them out to all of our supervisors now so that they get, they know how to use it. They know how to troubleshoot it so that when it gets passed down to their staff, then they can help them through that. Wow, Joe, I see your hand up, go ahead. Yeah, the, the question I have is, um, is this you being used as a recruiting tool for you guys yet, or is it still in the infancy stages of work from home? Come be a 911 dispatcher and work from home. So we get questions about that every time we talk about it. Um, it 100% will be used for uh, as a recruitment tool. So we're actually working on the job spec right now, rewriting how do we incorporate our remote operations initiative into our job spec so that it brings people in. Um, we're starting some conversations. We have some employees who had to relocate because maybe their spouse was military or something like that, but they're excellent call takers and they may live in California now. Well, they can still be an asset to us. So we're thinking about sending them um, some of our equipment and dropping off some of our mandatory overtime that we're sending out. Okay, before, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Before Doug, I know he had a question. I, I wanna go back to one thing real quick. You said that there were three things that were primary that you noticed in your answer. And you said one was communication. What were the other two? So one, uh, another big one for me is, is that troubleshooting um, side. So, you know, you've got um, all these people inside your center that, you know, they can just jump in at any point and they can help you um, relaunch software, hardware, and they can fix your issue. So, you know, we've got people commuting in from Alexandria from, one hour, two hours away. Um, so in the middle of the night, if their command post goes down and they're part of our staffing, um, getting them to sort of diagnose their own or troubleshoot their own IT issues or having one of our managers go out and meet with them has been uh, a difficulty. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that is so cool. I, and, but, and, and I know, um, we had at my old agency, when COVID happened, one of our supervisors uh, was pregnant with twins at the time. And so they sent her home and it sounds like a similar situation. We were on Vesta, so she had the command post. She just took an HT and then she remoted in through a VPN to get to her desktop. Um, but the, to get the command post to work at her home, they had to, it was pretty technical. Our, our telephone guys needed to go out to the, her house and do some things. How simple is that? I mean, it's not just, okay, give me this laptop and I go home and I plug it in and I'm golden, right? There's a little bit more to it than that. So we're operating on two different sort of remote phone systems right now. So about half of our phone systems are what we call the command posts. So that is a complete standalone. Mm -hmm. It's in addition to the, the phones inside of our center. Um, and then we've also taken on about half of our um, phones are what are called all-in-ones and they remote into an existing uh, phone system inside the center. Um, so the all-in-one is incredibly easy. You plug it into the wall, you attach it to an internet source and 
you just remote into an existing workstation. The command post is a lot of wires and mm -hmm. setting up. So uh, luckily at the beginning, we did a really good job of sort of bu building out Pelican cases that they go in, everything is labeled or they have a, this blue dot connects to this blue dot <laughs> and we took pictures, videos. So um, pretty much everybody in the center sets it up before they take it home so that when they take it home, they, they know how to do it. That is so, oh, Joe, go ahead. One last question for you. Um, do the people that work from home have to have certain internet requirements, like 60 meg up, 60 meg down, whatever it might be? Do they have to meet a certain criteria to make sure that your products work flawlessly? So every command post of ours is going out with a first net hotspot that we provide. Oh. Um, and everything has been running off of it so far for the past, you know, since March 2020, everything has been running off of it fine. And that is the CAD computer, the phone. Um, and then um, any internet-based radio system that we send them out with. How about how about things like, I just, I'm Here thinking all these things going, oh my goodness. What about things like discipline? What if somebody's not necessarily following the right policy? Do they just get an email saying, hey, y'all, next time try to do it this way? Or what if they're really having some sort of a situation going on and it's like, you've got to provide some counseling or some in-person something you kind of lose that with them being away and being talking on the phone or email. It's like, does that, I think that would have an impact with the center. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no interpersonal relations at all at this point. It's all virtual at this point. So how have you dealt with that? Yeah, so we have a couple different um, sort of positions or roles inside of our center. Um, there's only, the only people who are permanently at home working remotely have been our 311 personnel as well as our non-emergency call takers. So all of our emergency call takers and dispatchers are regularly coming into the center for their normally okay. scheduled shift. And all of the remote stuff is being utilized for any overtime that they wanna work, if they are up staffing a shift or mandatory overtime, which has made them pick up that shift way easier than they would have in the past because they can walk out in their pajamas <laughs> or their lap pants and they can dispatch fire from their, you know, office here at home and then Being salmon in their kitchen yeah exactly <laughs> we so can hear that story about that <laughs> mm, i wonder well it i love that your agency has taken something that people over the past decade have said oh, wouldn't it be great and and y'all are doing it yeah. i think that is amazing if we have people who are listening right now who are like i need to learn more about this because i want this to to be something that our agency does do you have you mentioned you know being really good about documenting things and and providing those kits is there anything or any way that some of our listeners might be able to to contact you to learn a little bit more if they want to do something like this at their centers Absolutely. Yeah. So um, at the beginning, I will say our documentation was no good. It was COVID's here. We got to move um, these very expensive, you know, $20,000 command posts were going out in cardboard boxes in the backs of people's cars. And so we sort of reeled it in and got a lot better. Um, as far as the documentation standpoint, um, APCO actually came in and wrote a report and helped us kind of gather all of our thoughts. Um, and it's like a 40, 70 page report that, you know, we've been sending out to people who want um, to know a little bit more about our operation and the technical side and the operational side. Um, so if anybody would want to email me, 
Um, we'll put your email at the end of this thing. If you, if you yeah. want to give that up, I'll, I'll make sure it comes across the screen right now and I'll see your email address. So uh, <laughs> just, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it's such an unusual, I, I mean, it's, you know, I hate to sound really old, but damn, I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. I miss the in-person, you know what? <laughs> I miss mm. the in-person thing about, about dispatch. Yeah. You can talk yeah. And kind of build them up and build that confidence and all that kind of stuff. I mean, how far does somebody have to be out of training to be able to go and do it at their house? Can they be a new employee? So it's really not been, we've sort of not put a number on it, right? So we've sort of done um, like a supervisor recommendation. Mm. So um, at the beginning during COVID, it was sort of anybody who was coming back and okay. there were some pitfalls there, anybody coming back from their vacations. And, you know, there was some stuff where we thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that or what, you know, we made mistakes at the beginning. We all know that we made mistakes at the beginning. For sure. Um, but yeah, there's really been no criteria um, as far as how long out of training someone has to be because you know, some of our most recent trainees have been like absolutely exceptional and we've been able to send them out. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned you missed sort of the in-person thing during COVID. I know we had one new call taker who was out for about three months. And she called me up and said, um, I would actually like to come back inside the center. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's totally wow. fine. That's I'll cool. redistribute it out to somebody else. So. That's yeah, that's that's awesome because yeah, I, the people realize how important it is to be in that room together. But the, the use of technology and that everything that's available now, um, really using it to your benefit to increase staffing and cover those mandatory shifts. Um, I, I'm just, I'm super impressed. And I think, Doug, you know, that this is going to be something that in another five years, it's going to be commonplace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that there's some vendors out there and probably some agencies that are listening right now going, okay. Hmm. How do we prepare for this? What do we need to do next? That's super cool. Have you had to rewrite? And I know we're, we're at time, but um, I just a couple more questions. <laughs> Have you had to write any specific policies that are new as a result of this? Or are you still using existing policies and maybe just modifying them a bit? So we began by heavily relying on existing policies and sort of supplementing them with what we have as OM directives that have just sort of supplemented existing policies. Um, now we've gotten to a point where the directors have all said 100% this is the new norm. And we've said, OK, we have to have like an actual remote policy. Mm -hmm. um, so we're sort of at the final end of finishing that up and publishing it because mm -hmm. uh, there's just so much so dynamic. There's so much changing even now for us. Um, but yeah, I think a policy is going to be really important for that. Yeah. And, and I think Joe, it was you that brought up, you know, using this as a recruiting tool because man, if, if I'm looking at two different agencies to go and work and one of them offers me the, the opportunity to work from home, you've now moved to the top of that list. Yeah. So yeah. I guess wearing a uniform is kind of out now at this point, right? Is that yeah. <laughs> you have a logo pajamas. Yeah. 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 Or you have a Wyoming t-shirt on. You just don't exactly know. It. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and I wonder, uh, because we've all gotten obviously so used to having cameras on and being in virtual meetings and Zoom and Teams and all that stuff, is I wonder if, is there a requirement for the employees when they're on duty to have their cameras on so there is that feeling as though you're in the room when you're not really in the room? There has not been any sort of requirement for the camera on. Um, we typically open up a Teams meeting with the people who are working remotely so that we can quickly communicate with people. Mm, cool. 
I didn't even thought about cool. cameras in your house. Jeez, Zimini, really? Wow. wow. <laughs> okay, go, Jim. Auto call distribution, or is it a ring all to the people that are working from home? Does the calls rotate from one person to the next, or do you guys do a ring all and whoever can get it can get it? So it does hit an ACD right now. Um, we've sort of played with and rebuilt queues. Um, the workload on the people inside the centers, they're doing more. They're doing CGIS stuff. They're doing NCSC stuff. They're doing uh, dispatching, toes, all sorts of other stuff. So we've sort of played with the queues where um, the remote call takers, it sort of hits all of them and then spills over to the people mm. inside the center. So um, that I think has sort of helped morale, you know, people at home are more expected to, okay, you, you can just call takes. So the phones are going to hit you more often. Mm. I understand that. Wow. I have a feeling, uh, Daniel, that you're going to get a lot of email <laughs> inquiries as a result of this episode. So thank you very much for coming on. I think uh, probably we may have to have you back again just to give us an update on how it's <laughs> going because, uh, yeah, I think you are you're setting the trail on fire for the future of, of 911 and, and remote access. So thank you very much for being here. Um, you know, Joe, I'm going to throw it to you and you give us your spiel about where we are and who we are and all that stuff. Go ahead. I'm glad Daniel setting the trail on fire and not as salmon, but thank you everybody for listening <laughs> to us at We Speak Dispatch. We're on every social media platform you can imagine, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Make sure you check out our videos. Almost 14,000 plays in 35 different countries, and we are proud that you're listening to us. Leslie, go ahead and close this one out. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. And for any of you who are, we've, we've heard the word APCO mentioned several times recently. If you are going to be in Anaheim at the APCO conference, come and talk to us at the We Speak Dispatch booth. We've got a lot of good stuff to hand out. Uh, join us. We may be doing some podcasts from the, the vendor floor. So we would love to see you there. Thank you again, Daniel, for coming out and everybody have a fantastic shift. Hey, this is Jill and you've been listening to another great episode of We Speak Dispatch, proudly sponsored by our friends at Zybex. I worry about nothing. I am wearing a nada. I'm sitting pretty impatient, but I know you gotta put in them out.